It's time to have lunch and talk sports. It's the Midday Sports Zone on Sports Radio 931. Happy Tuesday and welcome into the Midday Sports Zone. Russ Brown and Daniel Shirley with you today. We are in Warner Robins live at McCall Sandwich Shop where they will be serving up lunch today from, well, 10 o'clock. We've opened an hour ago until 2. They're open Monday through Friday, 10 to 2. Check out the website, McCall's1001.com. You can check out the menu and uh, the catering options if you want to do that. And all the good information is there. We've been coming here now for, gosh, probably, what, six or seven years. Yeah. And it is just. Love coming here. It's one of those places that, you know, if they had never sponsored the radio station, I wouldn't know existed. And this is where it's at, man. Local eateries like this, a place where you can come in and grab a good sandwich for lunch. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And uh, I, I've been thinking all day. I don't, I'm hungry. I want to get something different today. I usually go Cali Wild Turkey or the um, muffaletta, and I hope I said that correctly. I guess it's, today's Mardi Gras. I should get the muffaletta today, but I only brought one shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it have to do with Mardi Gras? Well, it's a New Orleans thing. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it has anything to do with Mardi Gras or not. I just know it's a New Orleans. It's a, it's a New Orleans dish? Yeah. Okay. So, I got you. There you go. Um, but I was thinking maybe Philly cheesesteak. Philly cheesesteak is really That's one good. of your go-tos, right? Yeah, it is. But the chicken and dumpling soup is waiting for me. So There you go. There I might need to make sure they have some left over left by the time we get done with the show. And and if you uh, if you have a special event coming up, you can uh, have uh, order a cake. That's right. The, the desserts here are outstanding. So it's just a, a, it's awesome being here for sure. It is, and glad to be able to make it back down here uh, to see Ken and the staff. They do a great job. Great staff too. Service here is 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 phenomenal. No question about it. We got a lot to get to on the rundown today. Uh, we've got a lot of football talk, um, and we'll, we'll get into that kind of as we go along. We've got one guest, Jordan Bianchi, will join us at 12.30. We'll talk some NASCAR with him, um, and we'll have plenty of time for open phone calls as well. We've got basketball. I've, always, I've, I've almost completely and totally forgotten about basketball. Ever, ever since last Friday when the college baseball season started, I realized yesterday when we were getting the show ready, like I didn't even mention – the basketball games from over the weekend. <laughs> it is just out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, well, it's it's a struggle. And it's a struggle kind of around the whole state. If we had one team that kind of could jump out at us, maybe that would help us Yeah, keep, stay more interested in it for sure. But it, it does get lost in the shuffle. It, it does. Uh, Georgia is at Arkansas tonight. That's a 9 o'clock tip. We'll have it for you in making Warner Robins and Savannah. Starting at 8.35, so, and, you know, the dogs are just trying to um, play out the string and, and play for seeding with the SEC tournament. They got beat pretty bad by – maybe that's why we didn't mention it because Georgia got beat so they bad beat by so Alabama. Bad. Uh, Georgia Tech will be at Pittsburgh tonight. That's at 7 o'clock. Uh, but the thing I'm really looking forward to tonight, Georgia Tech is at Georgia Southern in baseball. Uh, 6 o'clock with the telecast, uh, and, and the first pitch will be shortly thereafter. And I just saw on Twitter there's a couple of surprise guests throwing out the first pitch tonight. Is that right? Yeah, and, and, they, uh, and the question was, can you guess who? And it just said, hashtag Bills Mafia and hashtag Rise Up. So I think I know <laughs> the duo that will be throwing out the first pitch in Statesboro tonight. So that's pretty, pretty good, cool. Pretty good. Uh, I mean, you don't have to be uh, – detective to figure that one out yeah oh man um 
You all right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I just got distracted by <laughs> something somebody said on Twitter. God, some morons. But anyway. Oh, God. Um, something to us? I, I mean, I, there's some sensitive people in this world. That's all i got to say. Um, I'm going to have to pull up the, the Twitterverse and but, see what but happened But anyway, um, well, just somebody said telling me that they can't believe that I would never have heard of this place. if, if they I don't live in Warner Robins. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't know everything. That's right. I apologize. We're close to knowing everything. <laughs> Goodness gracious! But not everything. Um, anyway, so um, so that's going on tonight. We look forward to that as well, and and good luck to the Georgia Southern Eagles as they uh, try to take down Georgia Tech. Who, if uh, if I, I think I, the total number of points will dictate who wins this game. The total number of runs scored. Yes. If it's, I'll say if it's over twelve, Georgia Tech wins. If it's under twelve, Georgia Southern wins. Well, it feels like Georgia Tech is going to be a, a high scoring team again. Yeah. And it, you don't. And what they say, you don't want to get into a shootout uh, with Georgia Tech because that's going to be that that kind of leans into their their strength. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, so we look forward to that tonight. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what Marcelo Zuna had to say yesterday. And I, sometimes in life, you know, it's just it, it, things get to a point where it's like, what do you want him to do? And and what he said was. He's happy to be back. He feels healthy. He's excited to be with his teammates. He's excited for his fans. And for the people, his detractors, you know, he's not paying any attention to what they have to say. I mean, how how else is he supposed to move forward? And, and there are Braves fans who are upset by these comments, and I just don't understand it. Like, what do you want? It doesn't matter what he does. You're not going to like it. Well, it's pretty much that's it. So It's whatever he says, whatever he does. Even if he came out and said, you know, gave the most genuine apology in the world, and I'm sorry for everything I've done, and and really owned it, which I don't know that he has, to be honest. But even if he did, well, it's been a long time. It's been time, you know, long enough. Or they right. have some, you know, this. He's not going to be able to please a certain group. And and look, I, that's their right. But, I mean, but that's but the point is, like, what that's the, the he's he's got the best approach. You can't pay attention to people you're not going to please. No, that's right. That's right. No matter what you do, you're not going to make that person happy, so you just ignore them. At that's some the point, best you thing you can on. do. Right. And look, he's made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. Um you know, some of them are more egregious than others, but he did it and and you know, at some point, he can't live his life trying to please other people. No, no. So I was, <clears throat> I was glad to hear those comments because, you know, you can start from this day right here, February the twenty first, and move forward. You can't go backwards. You can't so, do anything about so what you've done. He's on the roster. He's going to be on the opening day roster. He's in the mix. So the best thing moving for, forward is number one, stay out of trouble. Right. And number two, produce. And if he can do those two things, <clears throat> by hopefully by June or July, people won't even be worried about Marcelo Zuna. So, you know, and I saw a, a buddy of ours was questioning why he waited till the day to report to report. It's like that's like, he's not that late. Grinke, did you see what Zach Grinky said? No, what did he say? He said, "This is the last day we can report." If I'd have known this my entire career, I would have done this every year. I would have reported the last day. <laughs> Apparently, he didn't know. So, he's been reporting that's, early all this time. <laughs> and Zach like Grinke's a, a little eccentric anyway. A but, little. Yeah. Well, he's a pitcher, so he needs to be there. But for a hitter, these guys, and they'll tell you, the hitters, by 
mid-March, they're ready to go because they only need two or three weeks to get ready. Yep, no doubt. You know, the, the length of spring training is for the pitchers to get their arms in shape. So, you know, it's not – he wasn't late. Right. So he, I, and he's not holding out. He's not doing anything like that. He showed up when he was told to show up. Yeah. So anyway, um, just he. And I hope he can produce, and and we we don't because I don't want to spend a season talking about Marcelo Zuna, you know he uh, because the only way Marcelo Zuna is the focus of this team is if he's batting like one ninety eight, and then we have to talk about it. We have to talk about uh, the domestic violence. You have to talk about the DUI. You have to talk about all that stuff, and that's not fun. That's no, not an not. enjoyable season. No. So no, you don't want to do that. Hopefully, all of that stuff is in the past. And you know what? I'm, I'm, if he gets in trouble off the field again, he's he's done. He's gone. I, would I hope. mean, it's, yes. so it's it's that that part of of it is going to take care of itself. So you know, lighten up, Francis. Just move on. Just move on. Move forward. And that's what the Braves are going to do. I'm really excited about this upcoming season. The closer it gets, and what's got me really excited is something that we don't normally see. And that is when you read a lot of these national writers, when whether they're just previewing the season with you know with not doing a list or a ranking or anything, and for the ones that are doing power rankings, the Braves are way up there on all these lists. Which, you know, I, as a Braves fan, you expect that. But let's be honest, the Braves don't usually get a lot of love from the national media this time of year, and, and right now they are, which is. That's got me fired up. Well, I mean, most of the time it's all about the Mets, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in that division. I mean, we talk about the Mets way more than we should based on what they've accomplished. And, you know, that's okay. It's in New York. It's the media capital of the world. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would think the Braves, after everything they've done these last five years, they should be they should be getting more attention, and they are getting more attention. Yeah, that's good. It's good. So, uh, the first spring training games are Saturday, um, Saturday right. and Sunday. Now, as far as our broadcast is concerned, because um, I know a lot of people like to listen to the spring training games, we'll have them um, as soon as we get some more information. We'll let you know about exactly what time, but it will be on a delayed basis. We're not going to. We've got uh, Georgia basketball obligations. On Saturday in Georgia baseball, since they're in the regular season uh, on Sunday, but we will re-air those games later on those two evenings um, for Braves fans to listen to and just get it. Just get the sound of baseball. Yeah, you know, like Sunday, I did. We had the Georgia game on. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but just right there at about th- you know two or three in the afternoon when it's just kind of slow and lazy outside and you, you just get that first taste of baseball Love you know it. it's it's re- just relaxing i mean i got the taste of college baseball saturday yes you did now i can't wait for i mean there's games today can't wait for the games today so um love it love it love it love it and you know i mean there's a lot of brave stuff on our website at the athletic from david o'brien I'm reading all that stuff and it sounds like kyle wright might be a little slow to get going but i mean it's it's that, that's the stuff you love. I mean, you want to read. I mean, not that I love the Kyle Wright. I, I was going to say, I, I don't mean it like that. I, I don't love that. There's news, right? And right. you love reading about yeah. the stuff as, as these uh, teams are getting ready for the season. Yeah, and it'll be here before you know it. We'll take a break. Uh, as we do, we'll open up the phone lines, 478-646 ESPN. Wherever you want to go in the world of sports is fine with us. We're live at McCall's and um, T-minus one hour and 49 minutes. Till some deliciousness hits yeah, this belly. I got to go make sure they save me some chicken dumplings. Yeah, I'd never had had chicken and dumplings until 
Really? We came till we started coming here. Really? No. Nah. Yeah, really. I mean, well, again, why am I surprised? I mean, I, I mean, not that I and 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 I love it. It's good, man. It's they're. And the weather's about to get nasty, it sounds like. So. Is it really? Well, we're supposed to get a lot of rain today. Oh, man. I, I, I checked the forecast earlier. I thought it was like a 5 or 10% chance. I must have looked at the I'm wrong day. I'm sick of the rain. Yeah. Well, you know what they say, February showers bring March flowers. <laughs> so. We'll take a break. 478-646-ESPN. Back with more right after this. Eleven sixteen, Russ and Daniel back with you here on the Midday Sports Zone. Um, we're going to continue a little bit of the talk we had yesterday um, because I came across these comments uh, from Michael Malone. He's the Denver Nuggets head coach, and he was talking about the All Star Game, and he said um, that might be the worst game ever played. And, and he was the coach, and he he was he was the coach of Team LeBron, and. A lot of people are having this conversation about how to fix it. And I was actually talking with a friend on the way here today. And he asked me a really inter- interesting question. This is somebody I've known, you know, my, all my life pretty much. And we've, we're both, you know, real big into sports. We always have been. And he was saying, you know, and it's just that thing that you, you always heard this when I was young. As you get older, like you'll trim your, your sports tree is how it was termed. Like you'll just pay attention to less things. And that's happened, you know, because life, you know, you – you have a family, and you, you you know you just can't spend twenty four seven on sports anymore. I can. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Um, and 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 he, we were talking about you know the teams that we really still have that that passion for. And I said, you know, I, I was getting it back for the Hawks, but I think I think it's gone, and I think it's not just the Hawks. I think it's a league wide thing, and. and and we were just both saying how when we were younger, we were huge NBA fans. I, I don't remember the last time I watched an NBA regular season game that didn't involve the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, it's been years. And you get into this, you know, load management. We've had this conversation before, but, you know, how do you fix the All-Star game? You can't fix the All-Star game because I think before you fix the game, you got to fix the players. And the problem with the NBA is the players don't want to play. And I did not realize this. He pointed this out to me. LeBron James took three games off for load management, then played in the All-Star game. Then played in the All-Star game, right? DeMar DeRozan, who plays for the Bulls, who I love the Bulls, he didn't play um, Monday night um, or uh, Tuesday night because he had a hip injury. Monday, uh, like the the Bulls' last three games before the All-Star break, he didn't play because he had a hip injury. And then he played Saturday or Sunday. Well, wait a minute. Which is it? And then the team's like tweeting out all this great stuff about him and talking about how great he is. It's that's not good. If you're injured enough that you can't play, then why are you okay to play in the All Star game? That that doesn't fly for me. Yeah. Well, and then and I think the. the thing that got me also was that Adam Silver was basically defending the players. He's the commissioner in the NBA. So it's almost like so you have this problem where you, people are losing interest in your league because the players don't want to play. You're asked what could you do to address it and then you your response is basically we don't have a problem. Oh, 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 well okay. I'll, okay. Okay. Then. Bye. Have, have at it. Yeah, <laughs> I there is a problem. 
And I don't know, look, I don't know if he doesn't, if he's trying to not come out and criticize the players because he is the commissioner and he's got to work with the players. But there absolutely is a problem. I, I mean, you can't, if, if one of your coaches who coached in the game said that's the worst game ever, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it really is. Uh, and, and, you know, people were talking about how do you fix the game. And, I mean, there were some good ideas thrown out there, you know, just like uh, have five different teams and play a tournament or, uh, you know, just something like that. I don't know. I mean, you know, the NFL had this problem with the Pro Bowl, and they finally just said, hey, we're going to play flag football because, you know, that's basically what the Pro Bowl had become anyway. And they just had fun with it. And, you know, for an afternoon, I, I sat there and watched it. You know, it is what it is. You're not, you're not going to get a football game. You know, and the players were just out there having a good time, and and it was fun. You know, and I, I'm, I now I didn't watch the All Star game Sunday night. I'm sure the players were having a good time, but, but if it, I think that I think the the lesson learned from the NFL is if you can't quote unquote fix the game to make it like a real game, then just go the other direction. Get rid of it, and, right? And have fun with it. Go and then, all in, right? And then you know maybe people will tune in or maybe you just do the all-star Saturday night and don't worry about playing a game yep. and just expand what you do on Saturday night to include more people. So I, it was just, you know, not something I was really planning on getting back into today, but when I saw those comments, you know, from a guy that coached in the game that said that might've been the worst game ever, you know, plus the conversation I had this morning, it just, it was just like, you know, I think this league is, I, I did, it kind of snuck up on me. It wasn't one of those, well, I'm just not going to pay any attention to that thing anymore. I'm not going to pay any attention to the NBA anymore. I just, it just kind of happened. Well, I, at one point, I don't even, I don't know if you saw this. Somebody went up for a dunk and LeBron James jumped with him and just stuck his hand straight up in there and just flew by the guy and then let him go dunk it. And I'm not criticizing LeBron. I mean, that was the way the game was played Sunday night. But, if you're afraid you're going to get hurt, if you jump, play defense, what about jumping? What about dunking? What about running up and down the court? Then wh- wh- what about throwing a behind-the-back pass, behind pass? Well, why even play in the game? Then why even play in the game? That's, that's right? the thing. If you're worried about injury, then why even lace them up? But I again, mean. Russ, that goes back to the, the, the load management in the 82 games. And like we said yesterday, or I said yesterday, that if they made the schedule shorter – would these, do these guys really want to compete? And I'm not saying all of them. Did you see what Anthony uh, uh, Edwards said? Yeah. Now, I love that. He became my favorite NBA player. Yeah, Anthony Edwards basically said he wanted to play. And that's what it, and that's where it's got to get fixed. It's got to get fixed from within, you know. And do these guys even, like, are they even remotely embarrassed? Like, when, you know, LeBron. When Charles Barkley calls Anthony Davis half man, half a season? I mean, I, I know he got upset by that comment, but. Or no, no, that, that was Kyrie. That's Kyrie. Kyrie. And I know he got upset by that comment, <laughs> but go look at Kyrie's career game log. He plays about four, an average of 40 to 45 games right. a year. And if they cut the schedule, he would play about 30 to 35. Yeah, but how, I mean, you know, so I, I don't think you can fix it because no, you can't. It's, it's not. Uh, I mean. I think it's time to just get rid of it. Do you. Well, no, I, I mean, I'm talking about fixing players, not oh, playing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you just. Um, you know, and I was wondering too. Do you do you base your contract on an eighty-two game season, and and it's like a regular job? If you don't play, you don't get a check. Well, I mean, if you're legitimately hurt, right, you're hurt. But if you've got a sore right calf and you miss six games, I mean, come on, I I, I don't, I just, 
it's it's really they're damaging the league. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, Adam Silver, Silver came out and said, "Well, you know, tickets are all time high, and you know, the, the viewership on TV is high." Okay, I guess, but I mean, at some point, that stuff will catch up with you. Yeah, you know, and you remember the 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 Marbury Iverson era. Mm-hmm. And it was just all about individuals, and it was all about ISO, and you know, you know, people then said, "Well, we don't have a problem." Well, then it caught up with them, and people stopped watching. And I don't want that to happen because I love the game, but my goodness, it's it's hard. It's a hard watch. Now I will watch some. You know, the Celtics play. I will watch the Celtics because I love how they play. They pass the ball. They move the ball. Um, they do a lot of things. Uh, you know, the Nuggets, you mentioned Michael Malone. I love watching the Nuggets play, you know, because of the big man and, and how they move the ball. But there's a lot of teams that you – it's everything is ISO, everything is pick and roll. It's like I said, I was talking to Matt the other day. I said, if somebody actually ran an offense in the NBA, I don't think anybody would know how to stop them because nobody runs an offense anymore. Yeah. No, you know, uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, you know, it just it, it it goes back, and I'll wrap it up with the same question that I always ask. And 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 I would say this to these guys, given the opportunity: if you don't care, why should I? Right. And and here's the thing: look, you know, you can like Stephen A. Smith or not like Stephen A. Smith. That's fine. But here's what he said: I applaud Coach Malone for highlight, highlighting the flagrant lack of effort. In basketball, they play in summer leagues, and they do. They play in the offseason considerably harder than they played Sunday. And that's that's the, my point, is they'll go play in the Drew League, and they will play their behinds off. They don't talk about getting being afraid to get hurt, right? They'll play in the preseason, and they'll play hard. They don't talk about getting being afraid to get hurt in the preseason. Why is it they're afraid to get hurt in the All-Star game? I don't know. You can't play defense, so you're – I mean, you can't play defense because you're afraid you're going to get hurt. Well, then don't play in the Drew League. No. Don't that, play in the Olympics. Right. You know, none of that stuff. Yeah. Walk around in a bubble. Believe me, I'm bubble boy. I love being <laughs> in the bubble. But, I mean, it's a great life. Yeah, well. But, I mean, you can't You can't say, I'm afraid to get hurt, so I can't play hard in the All-Star game, but I'm going to go play in the Drew League and play hard. Yeah. That doesn't add up. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I just, you know, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting conversation. We'll see. Like you said, they've been down this road before, but hopefully some someday they get it fixed. You know, as long as they still play hard in the playoffs, that's that's the one thing we still can hang on to, right? We'll take a break. Four seven eight six four six ESPN is the number. We're live at McCall's in Warner Robins, and we're back with more of the midday sports zone right after this. Now, back to the Midday Sports Zone on Sports Radio 93.1 WXKO, the Superstations. Welcome back into the Midday Sports Zone. Russ and Daniel with you here. Phone lines open 478-646-ESPN if you want to join in the conversation. Dabo Sweeney had some interesting comments that kind of caught my attention. And uh, basically the gist of it was he was saying with the playoff expansion – that, you know, as this was kind of coming down the pike, they, he would ask his players for their input and what they thought, and most of them d- uh, just 
don't like the idea of potentially playing a 16 or 17 game season. And it was almost the way, the way the comments were, it was almost like it gives the impression that through all of this playoff expansion, nobody really bothered to talk to the players about their feelings on it. Well, if they did talk to them, they just ignored them. They didn't get the answer they liked, so they ignored what they heard. So, you know, that's the only part of this that I don't like. I love the expansion. I love the 12-team playoff. I love a real playoff. All that stuff is true. But did anybody talk to the players? And did were they consulted at all? And it doesn't sound like they were. And – you know, there are ways around that. I mean, you could play an 11-game regular season and then play the expanded playoff. I mean, then you're kind of cutting one game out, you know, and then maybe adding three or four more, you know. And, and I mean, Russ, we're talking about, what, in a 12-team field, I mean, the top four aren't going to play the first round, so that's not an extra game for them. Uh, so they may only play three, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're at the bottom, you knew you could play five. But it, how many of those teams are really going to do that, right? If you're a 12 seed, or how many how many times are we going to see a 12 seed run through this? Go time? all the way. I right? mean, it, it would most likely be the fifth seed uh, who loses their conference championship. Right. Game. Then we're going to see it. We're, most of these teams are going to play one or two more games. Mm-hmm. So cut one out of the regular season. Yeah. But then you lose then you lose the regular season games, you lose the you know, the networks aren't gonna want to do that right. because they lose they lose content. Well and this is where it, it all ties back into something we were talking about last week that is inevitable. And I'm, I'm I just really feel like these guys are gonna become employees. Because listen to what you're saying. Right, no doubt. if if you really slow down and think about that. You're saying you can't cut a game out of the regular season because you lose a money-making opportunity. Right. You can't – the television won't let you do that because they lose money-making inventory. Well, 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 and who's – Then how can you – like exactly. when this thing gets into a court of a law, how can you stand before a judge and argue that those aren't employees? You can't. You really can't. Um, you know, but they – look, I mean, they expanded the NCAA tournament from to, – to 64 when it was – what was it before – you know, 48, and they went to 64, and they added games. Uh, now they're talking about adding a whole other round, you know, turn up these 96 teams. Um, you know, so they've done this in the past, but you're right. It, it is a hard argument to say they're not employees when we can't do something because TV won't let us uh, – you know, now you can push back. You can have strong enough leadership to tell TV to go, you know, jump in the lake. But I don't think college football has that. Um, you know, until Greg Sankey becomes commissioner of college football, <laughs> I think is. You know, and Dabo made a good point. He's like, you know, there's some teams with a hundred thousand seat stadium. There's some teams with thirty thousand seat stadium. They shouldn't be competing against each other. They might need to have an extra layer of a of a playoff. You know, of a champion. Uh, you know, or, or division or whatever, to to even out some of that stuff. I don't know, but you know, there's 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 a lot of things that have to get figured out. You know, the thing that interests me about that, what he said, he's like, yeah, we feel like we're kind of in the eye of the storm right now, or or we're in the storm, and everything's just kind of going crazy around us. 
He said, but it does look better in the long run where we're headed. He said, "Why we know where we're headed. Why don't we just get there? Mm-hmm. And that's surprising to me because he's always been the guy's like, well, you know, I don't want to get there. I don't want to do these other things. Well, there's a – right. Well, there just seems like there's an inevitability. Right. So you might as well go. Might as you well might do it. might as well it. get there. Because right. the one thing when we have these conversations – is we know we're not going backwards. We're not. No. They're not going to do away with NIL. They're not going to get rid of the transfer portal. We're not so, going back to eighteen conferences. We're not doing any of yeah, that stuff. I mean, and which you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea. But you know, it, it, you have to deal with these things in in, in the reality of, of what's in in front of you. And you know, and I, and look, and I don't know. You know, maybe they can figure out a way. We always talk about like the Power Five breaking off and doing their own thing. Do, do we eventually see an, an athletic structure where football breaks away and, and just plays by a different set of rules? And now you can and, and you can still I mean it's still going to be a money making endeavor. You can still take that money and budget and fund other athletic programs. Is that the solution to where it's just like it's different for football? Well, it's already different for football, right? I mean, in certain in certain aspects. I mean, there's no, no FCS. No, I mean, as far as, like, sure, th- sure. if you play college football, you're an employee of the university. Right. If you play women's volleyball, you're a student athlete. Right. Well, there's right now, there's an FCS for football. There's not an FCS for any other sport. You know, there's no FCS for basketball or, or volleyball, like you mentioned. There's an NCAA, and everybody's in it. So, or Division One or whatever, and then Division Two, Division Three. So, yeah, I think that probably will be it. I mean... Football is like nothing else on a college campus. There's 120 guys on these teams for some of them. Um, you know, what other sport has that many athletes? I mean, like rowing has a bunch if you have a rowing team. But basketball doesn't. Baseball doesn't. You know, none of the women's sports do other than maybe rowing. Um, so why not break it off? Let it have its own rules. And, yeah, I mean, you could still use the money that it gets to help fund these other other sports. Um, I mean, if you don't do that, those other sports are going under. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, Let's and be that's, honest about it. And that's what nobody wants. Nobody that. wants that. And that's right. why, you know, it's it, it, I kind of like the idea, you know, of what Dabo Sweeney was talking about in, 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 in theory – just go ahead and get out in front of this. Like, have these con- – instead of fighting it, you know, because we saw that with NIL. The NCAA fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it, and then it was too late, and now it's a mess. Right. So instead of fighting it, try to get out in front of it. Right. I don't think anybody wants this to happen. No. But, right. But, but it's going to happen, and it's changing. The sport is not the same as it was – Back in the 50s when the, the head football coach might have also coached the baseball team. Yeah. Well, it's not the same as it was in 2018. No, it's not. No. <laughs> but, I mean, you can't keep living like, it, it's, like it's 1950. Right. You know, the coaches make millions of dollars. And, you know, so you have to be able to adjust. And what's the best way to adjust? I, you know, it's a, hard, it's a hard discussion. There's no doubt about that. But you can't keep living – like we're living right now. Yeah. And, we're, and like you've always said, I want to get in a time machine and go to 2023 or 2033 and see, okay, where are we now? Yeah, what does it look like? What? Because it feels like we're headed in such a different direction than we are right now. Yeah. Well, I just it, it, hopefully some, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's like 
there's a, a group that, that's trying to unionize. And, you know, so they're just looking out for one thing. And then it's like it seems like you got this other entity that just doesn't want to do that. So they're trying to push back against it. And maybe instead of that, because that, 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 that having two sides on polar opposites with such a big issue like this, it's going to go the way NIL did, and it's going to be a complete dumpster fire. Hopefully, there's smart enough people out there to say, look, we need to work together yep. to really get this figured out for the, better, for the best interest of the sport moving forward. There's enough smart people that they should be able to figure it out. Yeah. But they've got to get in the same room and work together. Well, and I'm afraid there's too many greedy people. That's the problem. That's true, too. Uh, we'll take a break. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Wherever you want to go in the world of sports is fine with us. We're live here at McCall's. Nice little lunch crowd on hand. Uh, we'll be digging in ourselves here in about an hour and nineteen minutes. Not that I'm counting or anything. <laughs> I'm counting. <laughs> it's so good. If you never, if you're going to be in the Warner Robins area, like, like especially. Uh, my my kid mentioned going to the Museum of Aviation yesterday, uh, coming down here for some lunch and then heading over there. I don't know if they're going to pop in or not. There you go. But if you have, especially if you have young children, like, they, like, and it, I know it's winter break, so you're trying to get out of the house and find something to do. That's not a, If you don't live in the Warner Robins area, make the drive down here, come have some lunch at McCall's, and then head over to the Museum of Aviation. It's really cool. Have you ever been? I have not. The boys it's, have. They it's, love it. It's yeah. really cool. They've got a lot of old planes and, and, and helicopters that are out of commission, and you can just walk around, and and, and it's almost like a history of, of aviation. It, it's, it's really cool. But that's a really good way to kill an afternoon if you're looking for something to do with the kids. Yeah, no doubt. The, the boys came with school a couple times. They each came down here and, and visited it when they were in elementary school and middle school. So, uh, And they both really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, you definitely could – you know, come down here and have a great, great lunch uh, here at McCall's, and then head over and, and then that, go walk it off, and then walk it off. That's right. <laughs> that is exactly right. We'll take a break. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Back with more right after this. Welcome back into the Midday Sports Zone. Ross Brown and Daniel Shirley with you here. We are live at McCall's in Warner Robins. And I say that this time to remind my partner that he was dancing in public. And no, people, people can see you today. They, no, I was dancing behind the laptop. Nobody saw that. <laughs> Nobody saw that. I saw it. Nobody saw it. <laughs> um, oh. T minus what? An hour and 13 minutes. 13 minutes to me getting some, I think some I'm, soup. I was just saying during the break, I think I'm going to get the uh, Reuben sandwich. Are you? I haven't had a Reuben in a long time, and I got the Reuben here at Ken's for the first time probably two or three years ago. And I'm not joking when I say this, like, because I would get a Reuben sandwich at other places after I had it here, and no, he, uh, the, 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 it's not, he makes it the right way. We'll put it that way. There's an art form to it, and he does it right. So I'm here. I'm going to get a Reuben sandwich today. Okay. You like the Reuben? I do. I'm a big fan. Big, have you ever had one? I I have not had they, I've not had theirs. I have had one. Do you so. like is that something it, you'll yeah, eat? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I mean it's not my favorite, but I I I, I do like it. It's always so. good when we find something else you will eat. You know, anytime we can expand that list from like 12 to 13. Well, there's like nine things on the list right now, so I have to add to it for you, sure. You should open a restaurant that specializes in Pop-Tarts. I would kill I would I would make a killing. You'd eat all your profit. I would, yeah. <laughs> you damn right I would. 
What's I the pop tarts for breakfast this morning? As a matter of fact, didn't even cook them and just ate them cold. What's the best sandwich you've ever had? The best sandwich? Yeah. I mean, I had a Philly cheesesteak in Philadelphia. That was at, the place is called Mom's. Um, place in Philadelphia where Laura's grandmother took us to have a cheesesteak. So I would say that's probably number one. Um, I'm not a real sandwich guy. I'm not a big time, like, I mean, I like sandwiches, but yeah. I, I don't, like, go out to eat a sandwich. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and this, like, here at McCall's, it's not just, like, a sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, there's... There's more to it than that. You know, I would, is craft sandwich a thing? Can we invent that? <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's it's, I mean, it's a meal. It is. No, yeah, it's definitely a and meal. And you've always pointed out it's not just – they didn't just go to the Publix and buy some sliced bread, right? And, you know, um, so, I mean, they, 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 I mean, they really do it, do it up. So, um, love coming here. Uh, he's got the best soup, you know, around. So it's it's a it's a cool spot for sure. Yeah, the soups here are really good. And, and the best way to keep up with what's going on is to like the Facebook page. Um, you can check out the website, McCall's1001.com. They'll have all the, the menu options there. They have hot and cold sandwiches. So you can, you know, I, when I go out to eat someplace, especially if I've never been there before, I like to, to look at the menu before we go. Do you do that, or is that a weird thing? I, you know, sometimes it kind of depends on where we're going. Yeah. But place like here, I know what I. You know what you like. I know what I want. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you can you can go to McCall's1001.com. Check out the menu there. Um, it's got the phone number too. If you want to do a catering or, or something like that, you can. They'll answer all your questions uh, about that. Um, but as far as the daily specials are concerned, the desserts, the soups, like Daniel's talking about, like the Facebook page. Now, it's going to come with a warning. You will be hungry at like 8 o'clock in the morning. You will see a picture <laughs> of a cake at 8 in the morning, and you will be like, I would like to eat that cake for breakfast. There you go. Uh, so, you know, that, that comes with a little bit of a warning there. But just a, a, a great spot. We haven't been down here in a while and excited to be here. And this afternoon we'll be over at the taco shed just around the corner, so looking forward to that as well. Good crowd today too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we haven't, haven't been in Warner Robins in a while, so it's good to be back down here. In uh, in Houston County and, and hanging out with Ken and his staff and getting something good to eat for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And it's you know love Ken. He he's so good to us and he's such a good guy. And you know, here and his daughter's here working today, which is awesome. So uh, love being here. And um, now I'm ready for lunch. You know, this is one of the things we do with our our, our crew on the uh, Georgia Southern Radio Network when we're getting ready to go somewhere, especially somewhere we've never been before. We always try to find a local place to eat. That's just there's, there's, sure. There's a little definitely a little something extra to it, you know. And, and uh, there's chain places that are good to eat at, you know. I'm not knocking that, but it's just there's just that home style feel here. Um, it's, it's almost like a comfort, right? Like can a, we make the um, the second hour go by faster? Can uh, we have a can we have a running clock like <laughs> <laughs> speed it up? 
<laughs> when we go to commercial, can those minutes count? No, because yeah. no, because we've got to talk about the Falcons mock draft that Josh oh, Kendall put out. There you go. We got to talk to Jordan Bianchi about the uh, Daytona 500. Well, we still let's got just some do that. And we don't check. do the rest of it. <laughs> just so we can eat lunch. Throw the last half hour back to the. Yeah, studio. hey Chris, handle that last half hour. <laughs> We're gonna uh, eat lunch. No, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll knock it out. We'll get it but done. But a good crowd, like I said, good, solid. I mean, good crowd here today. And, yeah. And it, and we're not even to noon yet. I mean, we're still at 11.50, so um, it's a, it, I love coming here. I really do. Yeah, it's a great time. Great time. It's good to be back for sure. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, so we got a little mock draft action coming up here. We as, love mock As it drafts. is mock draft season. Josh Kendall of The Athletic put one out there. And, you know, yesterday I was going to get into the biggest needs for all the teams. The Athletic put that out a couple days ago. So we'll probably – we can tie all that together uh, coming up here in the next segment. And uh, we'd love to hear from you as well, 478-646-ESPN. Anywhere you would like to go in the wide world of sports is fine with us. Yeah, so we spent the first hour trying to fix basketball and uh, college football, so we'll spend the second hour just uh, fixing the Falcons, basking in the glow of the opportunity the Falcons have this offseason. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I really am. I, I, I haven't been this excited about the Falcons football probably since that playoff game in Philadelphia in 2017. Um, but I think I, I think this team can make the playoffs next year. I think this team can win the NFC South. They got to make the right moves in free agency, of course. And you got to keep a close eye on what your uh, counterparts are doing. I would say right now, I'm going to make a statement, and you tell me if, if you agree or disagree. As of right now, the way the rosters are before free agency and before the draft, if Derek Carr, whoever he would go to in the NFC South, if Derek Carr goes to an NFC South team, they're the favorite to win the division at that moment. You think so? Yes. You think so? I I. Well, it, it doesn't sound like he's going to the Saints, right? Well, they don't have any money. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about that. I, I do think if he goes to the Bucks, that 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 kind of makes them the the favorite on paper. But I don't trust the I I don't trust the Bucks. I don't. I I you know I think they've got a roster that was built around Tom Brady. And I don't know that you can just throw another quarterback into that into that mix and say we're going to keep winning like we won with Tom Brady. Yeah. Well, they just they looked old, didn't they? They looked old across the roster. Yeah. They they just they looked For sure, they yeah. looked old. But uh, yeah, the Falcons with the cap space and everything, they just they have a really good opportunity yep. this offseason to build a team that can go win that NFC South. We're live here at McCall's in Warner Robins. We invite you out for lunch with us. They're open Monday through Friday from 10 until 2 o'clock. Check out the website, McCall's1001.com. And we're back with more of the Midday Sports Zone right after this. It's time to have lunch and talk sports. It's the Midday Sports Zone on Sports Radio 93.1. Hour number two of the Midday Sports Zone. Russ Brown and Daniel Shirley with you live from McCall's in Warner Robins, where they are serving up lunch today until 2 o'clock. Open Monday through Friday from 10 until 2. You can check out the website, McCall's1001.com, for the menu 
and all the information you would want to know about this fine establishment. Also, like the Facebook page to keep up with the daily specials, desserts, hot soups, all that good stuff. <clears throat> so check it out. Uh, McCall's on Facebook and the website McCall's1001.com. we got one guest coming up this hour. Jordan Bianchi will join us at 1230. We'll look back at the Daytona 500 with him. Really interested to get Jordan's thoughts on the race from Sunday. And uh, in the meantime, we're taking your phone calls at 478 478- 646 ESPN, and we start with Brian and Warner Robbins. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Hey, guys. Happy Tuesday. I'm uh, glad to see y'all made it back to Warner Robbins, which, uh, coincidentally, I'm on my way there right now so I can uh, check an item off of my bucket list by meeting the man, the myth, the legend, that is Daniel Shirley. uh, (laughs) Awesome. So I'll be... uh, Oh so I'll be God. seeing y'all in a few minutes, sir. I'm sorry, What'd Brian. Don't, say, don't don't build it up too much. Well, it is what it is. Truth hurts. <laughs> um, but uh, but I do have a question. I'm kind of embarrassed to ask this question because you know I try to take pride in knowing all that's going on with the Braves. But uh, what's got uh, everybody up in arms about Azuna? Do you say something or something? Yeah, well, basically what he said was he's glad to be back. He's glad to be with his teammates, and he's excited for his fans. And then, you know, all the critics, and he's just not going to pay them any attention. That's basically the gist of it. That's it? That's huh. it. What pro What pro athlete don't say that? Oh, well, okay. But, um, all right, thanks, guys. I'll see you on a little bit. All right, all looking right, forward thanks, to man. it. I mean, I just think that's good life advice. I mean, there's going to be people in your life that don't like you and you can't please them, so you can't worry about what they think. I, I think you've got to get to the point that you don't care what anybody thinks anyway, right? I mean, if you do right by people and you treat people right, you know, that I would think a lot of these athletes, you know, I was watching the Bill Russell documentary, the second part of it on Netflix last night, and he said he didn't sign autographs, he didn't do these kinds of things, and people got upset that he didn't sign autographs. Well, why don't you sign autographs? He said, well, I don't want my worth to be based on what other people think of me. He said, as long as I treat people right and I do right by people, that should be enough. And I think that's what we need to 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 be. That's that's the best way to think about that. It's like you said, the people that don't like you and are going to criticize you no matter what, you're not going to be able to change their mind. So why would you spend any time at all trying to please them? Yeah, It's not going to work. And I would say, you know, to the people that were offended, upset, disturbed, bothered, whatever word you want to use by his comments, let it go. Well, what did I, you I mean, want him to that, say? And that's my point. There's nothing he can say that's going to make you happy. So you're, you're just it's just going to be an area of frustration. So just let it go. Yep. No doubt. And and you cannot like him. You cannot like what he's done. You can I mean all that's true. I mean that that you cannot like that he's on your team. Um that's okay. I mean, I don't think you wanted him to still be on the team no, when all this stuff came out. But I don't get to make that but decision. But you don't get to make that call, right? So, right. I mean, I would have handled things differently. They didn't. You, I mean, I'm not I mean, what's my other option to not be a Braves fan anymore? That's not going to happen. Just continue to continue to hang on to that i I, that's not healthy for anybody yeah so you just you you move on and you just hope for the best moving forward and again like i said number one stay out of trouble number two produce that's right and if those two things happen this year then we won't be talking about 
uh, Marcelo Zuna very much anymore. So, uh, and at least in, in, in a bad way. So, um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's what he said. All right. Um, Josh Kendall's mock draft is out. Uh, Josh, of course, covers the Falcons for the athletic. He joins us during the season on this very program on Mondays. And, um, so he's got the Falcons taking uh, Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon, with the number eight pick, which is uh, very interesting to me. Uh, and this is a name that keeps uh, continues to pop up, uh, and and uh, as as the top cornerback in the draft, uh, he's a six foot two hundred pounds. Uh, he's going to test very well at the NFL Combine, according to. Uh, what Josh Kendall says. Uh, if you go by Dane Brugler's top overall players, he's the fifth best player in the draft. So in essence, in theory, you're getting the fifth best player with the eighth pick. So you're getting good value there as well. And um, and, and and here's here's the thing that I got to at the very bottom that makes this quote unquote work for me. We've said all along we're going to talk mostly about the draft. You know, when free agency hits, obviously the focus will shift to free agency because there will be something tangible there. But what they do in free agency is more than likely going to dictate what they do in the draft. Uh, and this is what Josh writes. It makes the most sense to me for the Falcons to spend their free agency dollars on veterans on the defensive line in an edge rusher and use their first-round pick on a cornerback. There's a very real possibility Gonzalez has gone by this point, in which case someone like Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State or Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois would work here. So when, when I say cornerback out of Oregon and you say pass rush, this is under the theory that that's already been addressed in free agency. Right. Now, I'd still probably take Skronsky with that pick if it were me, <laughs> but I, I can live with that. Well, I mean, you, you we always talk about address the quarterback, address who rushes the quarterback, uh, and address who's, you know, who's blocking for the quarterback. And so that – that and and you know and and on defense you address the cornerback spot to to defend the quarterback so that would address that um, I'm with you I I like this pick by Josh I, I think it's fine uh, I think he's a really really good player but I I think they need to to beef up the offensive line a little bit or f- help the defensive front um, but if you get Christian Gonzalez at eight. You've got two really good cornerbacks. Yeah, and and Casey Hayward's back this year That's too. Right. So Casey you've got Hayward a, a veteran too. back there in your nickel package, which would be uh, very good. Now they've been linked to uh, the Bates guy out of Cincinnati. I don't know if you saw this. He's one of the safeties that's going to be available, uh, maybe by free agency. Jesse Bates the third had and his agent had dinner with some Falcons players. Now they have they're represented by the same agent. So, you know, we may just be reading way too much into this, but, you know, that's something to think, too. If, if they were to sign a Bates, for example, in free agency at that safety, spend a little bit on the defensive line in the pass rush, and then take a cornerback in the draft, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say the defense is fixed, but, I mean, it's, 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 improved. it's significantly upgraded. Yes, it, it is. And I, I'd like I, – I do think that – the defense is probably the way to go um, with the first pick. I again, I would probably go defense pass rush, but I, you know, the 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 cornerback is is fine, uh, and I really like this player, and Josh likes him too, and he he even mentioned it. Uh, he 
says my affinity for Gonzalez and, and more broadly a cornerback with first-round pick is pretty, is pretty clear by now. Josh has written this a couple of times uh, that he wishes they would – or that not that he wishes, he's not a fan, mm-hmm. but he thinks they should take Christian Gonzalez with this first pick. Well, he's an interesting prospect. You know, he's got the um, – you know, they, uh, Josh, as he pointed out, he's going to test well at the combine – He's got that Keely Ringo kind of size that we talk about with Ringo at uh, at six two two hundred pounds, uh, but ap- apparently you know the as far as the the lateral movement is concerned, uh, he can he can do that. And you know if you pair him, and that's part of a pass rush too. It all kind of works together. You know the pass rush makes the secondary better. You want to build that first, but when you do have those guys on the back end, you can, that's when you start forcing turnovers. You know, right? The guys start rushing throws, corners start jumping routes, and that's when the turnovers happen. And, you know, the more I was – as we're sitting here having this conversation and obviously it's defensively focused, you know, obviously the Falcons' offense is not, you know, lighting anybody up or setting any kind of records. But that run-based approach is really working. And we haven't seen Kyle Pitts, uh, Drake London, and uh, um, Desmond Ritter on the field all at the same time yet. Right. So, you know, you've kind of right. – You've kind of already built that a little bit. You know, I, I would like to see them at an offensive lineman or two, but I kind of like the idea of the focus being on the defensive side of the football because it seems like Arthur Smith, with his ground and pound approach, kind of makes the offense better. It, it, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So spend on the defensive side, right? You know, so those guys can do it, and then just use your rely on your system and your quarterback's understanding of your system. I mean, they've already got really good skill players. They found a. a a uh, receiver and a running back in last year's draft. They got a tight end in the draft the year before that. They got a quarterback, hopefully, too, in this year's draft, or last year's draft. Where are we at before the draft happens? It's all confusing. But anyway, the point being is, you know, they've kind of already dealt with the offense through the draft. Maybe it is time to really have a defensively focused offseason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, again, they're going to make um, free agency moves before the draft. So all of this will be impacted uh, by what they do in free agency. But I do think they need to, to, to help the defense in some way, uh, and I think Christian Gonzalez would do that. So, uh, look, Josh, Josh is on top of this stuff, and if they are able to do that at number eight, I think that's a pretty good pick. Yeah. Well, So we'll see, and, and this was 1.0, right? So we'll have a two and a three and a four before it gets here and – no doubt. You know, what the, do you think about them taking a quarterback in Josh's in Josh's mock draft? I mean, in the now la- it's in round four. Yeah, so. in the later rounds, they need a quarterback. They, yeah. they, I don't. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, because I mean, they're going to have to sign a veteran or draft somebody. But, right. You, right. You know, um, I don't think. I mean, I don't think they're going to bring Marcus Mariota back. I hope they don't, but we'll we'll see. I, uh, I really like if they do it. I like the Tyler Scott pick. In the fourth round, if they get him from Cincinnati. I don't think Tyler Scott's going to be there in the fourth round. I don't think he could, yeah. he can absolutely fly. Yeah, Josh had them taking Tyler Scott in the fourth round. Keon White in the second round. I don't think Keon White's going to be there in the second round. They're all good picks. If they, I mean, if they get Tyler Scott in the fourth round, that's a steal. That's a steal. That's an absolute, absolute steal. steal. Yep. Yep. We'll take a break. 478-646-ESPN if you want to join in the conversation. Back with more of the Midday Sports Zone right after this. Welcome back into the Midday Sports Zone. Russ Brown and Daniel Shirley hanging out with you from McCall's today as uh, we're talking some sports. we got Jordan Bianchi coming up 
here in the next half hour. I'm really curious, uh, the next segment, rather, the next 15 minutes, I'm really curious to hear what he has to say about the Daytona 500. You know, because it's, it's restrictor plate races are so so hard to judge. And, and, I mean, obviously you had a lot of drama with Ricky Stenhouse getting the win. But, you know, would it have been better if they could have just finished the race and have a checkered flag? And is it? And that's one of the things I want to ask Jordan because he's a, a very knowledgeable about this stuff. Is that realistic? Is that realistic to say, even if it's just for the Daytona 500, that you have to have a checkered flag finish? Or, or does it get to a point where – you know, you're really messing up the integrity of the race because these cars are set up to go, you know, 200 miles. They went 230 on Sunday night. Then yep. fuel comes into play. You know, I, I don't know the answer well, to that question. Well, and how many cars are going to finish? Yeah. I mean, if you keep wrecking every lap and taking out seven or eight cars, how many how many cars are going to finish? So, I really, yeah, I mean, I know what I thought about it. I thought it's kind of a mess, but I don't know a way to fix it, and I don't know the way to make it better. So do you just kind of enjoy it for what it is and say, well, thank God we only do this two or three times a year, mm-hmm. right, as opposed to doing this every week. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's it's Daytona and Talladega. You, you have to do it for safety purposes. You can't, you know, I, and, and I want to say the cars would be going, what, 210, 215, maybe even yep. faster than that if, yep. if you took the restrictor plates off. So that's just not realistic. <laughs> you don't you, know, you don't want to turn it into, like, an airplane. Right. So, exactly, and, and you certainly don't want cars getting up and going over the fence. So I, you know, and it's, I, but but then again, you know, hardcore race fan may have loved what they saw on Sunday. I don't know. I mean, for me, you know, once once you get into the middle part, especially a restrictor plate race, it's just it, it's it's you're watching traffic and you're and you're waiting on the big one to happen, and it just that that's what it feels like. You're just waiting on a big wreck to happen, then it happens, and you know, chaos ensues. Right. And that's what Saturday or Sunday was. It was chaos. And is that good TV? I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't enjoy the last two laps and then the overtime stuff and the wreck after wreck after wreck after wreck. I didn't enjoy it, but maybe some people did. Yeah. Well, I I just kind of had a feeling, you know, they weren't going to be able to finish because those guys were, I mean, look, they're trying to win the Daytona 500. I'm not going to criticize people for going for it on the final laps like that. Uh, But, like you're talking about, from an entertainment standpoint, you know, I wasn't – it's not like I sat there after it was over and was like, well, that sucked. I, mean, I didn't feel like that, but I right. just didn't sit there going, wow, well, that was anticlimactic. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It really was. Um, and they'll be in California this week, so, um, you know, it's, it's going to get spread out there uh, because of the size of that track. It's a 400-mile race. I mean, it's it's really – more conducive, I think that the drivers and the teams will like California better because it's it's it doesn't feel like a lottery. I mean, the restrictor plate races just absolutely feel like a lottery. It, well, it's a lot of luck involved, right? And make sure you're in the right place when the big one happens, or the second big one, or the third big one. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, and and if you're not, then you're you're out of luck. Yeah. It's just—it's such a weird time of year to me. Yeah, because I'm just in so many different places. I'm watching the XFL. I'm watching college baseball. I'm watching NASCAR. And you didn't even watch ten hours of golf. I did not watch ten hours of golf. I thought about it. I did, man. And and you know, I saw a a, a thing about the live tournament. What is it about that that know. attracts non-golf fans? I don't know. You keep talking about it. I know. I like. I tried to watch it. I watched it for like ten minutes, and the, it's it's it was it was goofy. Yeah. I guess it's just something different. Well, here's my thing. Again, we like we talked about with the NBA players. 
it feels like NBA players don't want to play. Yeah. Well, it feels like the live players don't want to play. And all I heard during the Netflix documentary from the guys who went to live was I'm getting paid a lot more and I don't have to play as much. Well, if you don't want to play, that's fine. And you're getting that money. That's fine, too. I mean, more power to you. But I want to watch guys compete. I don't want to watch guys just going out and hitting balls around and slapping it around. I can do that here and not have to, you know, turn the TV on. So, I, you know, I, I want to watch competition. Well, and, and, you know, and I know you've never watched it before. It's, it's more like a it, – it's almost like a party, which is just – it's weird because they have the whole thing on Thursday night where they pick the teams and, you know, they're, 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 because they all play at the same time. Like there's a there's like a, a a reception for lack of a better term before they start and right. then afterwards. Right. I don't know. It's just different. Yeah, it's it's not for me. It's not for me. Yeah, well, we've I mean, established like, that. Like the All Star Game Sunday night was not for me. Right. Right. And and some people enjoy live. That's fine. Go enjoy it. I that's fine. I mean, I, I you know, I the the funny thing that I the thing that I found funny is that these guys said we pretty much said we hate playing on the PGA Tour. We hate it. We hate it. We hate it. We're going to go play on this other tour. And then PGA Tour said, well, okay, then you're not allowed to play on our tour. Well, wait a minute. Wait. Don't ban us. Well, which one is it? Well, no, you got to do one. You can't do, be in two different leagues. Do you want to be on the tour right. or do you not want to be on the tour? No, you can't be in two different the leagues. The NFL's not going to let some dude go play in the XFL and then play in their league. <laughs> right. Right, and then go back to the XFL. Right, right. You're not, you're, exactly. You're not going to wrestle in AEW and WWE. Right. It doesn't work like that. Pick it's two one. different companies. Pick one and, and live with it. Yeah, they and had to know that. That's right? for sure. I think that. so. But it's just as long as as like, you know, with Augusta coming up, as long as the the majors allow those guys in, I'm I'm good with that. Because well, I mean, look, you want the best golfers in the world. Sure. Look, the, the you, there's there's players from the Asian tour in the majors, there's players from the Australian tour from the majors. There might as well be players from this tour. Yeah. Um and it adds a little juice to it as well. It does. And you know, we saw that at the British Open last year. Um, you know, now here's the thing again, watching the, 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 the Netflix documentary, Cam Smith was asked about joining the live tour right after he won the British open. And he said, I just won the British open. You're asking me about that. Well, yeah, you're going to jump ship. We're going to ask you about it. I mean, like you said, those guys have to know. Yeah. It's a story. They're going to be asked about these things. Yeah. Now, the, some of those guys, they did have the pushback about it and didn't want to be pestered with the question. It's like, well, it's a big deal. I mean, it's... Right. It sure is. It was a big story in like, golf last summer, and, and, you and know, you're in the middle of it. Right. And I feel bad for the like the the lower-level guys who joined that tour last summer, and now they've kind of gotten pushed to the side for other players who've joined the, joined the tour. Now they don't have anywhere to play. So, I mean, you kind of left the PGA Tour and... and Maybe had a future there. Now you have no future, unless you go play on the Asian tour or somewhere like that. Um, so, and and these guys also aren't going to be able to play on the Champions Tour either. Wow. So, I mean, is that like a lifetime ban? Yes. That's kind of petty. Isn't Pretty it? much. Well, we like petty. <laughs> well, I mean, you if do. you were literally trying to take down our tour, what? How do you expect us to act? It's yeah. Well, is that is that the mo? Are they trying to end the PGA Tour? Well, that's what or? Greg Norman's trying to do. Yes. Now, I don't think that's what DJ's trying to do and Brex Kepka. The guys that joined it, I don't think that's what they want. Well, I do think Phil Mickelson wants that, and I think Greg Norman wants that. 
Um, That's just silly. And so, you know, that tour that gave you everything in your life, Greg Norman would not have this life if it wasn't for the PGA Tour. And he's trying to take it down. Well, how do you expect them to react? Yeah. What? When did he become like a villain? Because I remember uh, he did this in the eighties and nineties. I just don't remember it. I guess because I remember like last year. Uh, it was it Alan uh, Shipnick that right. covers golf was said something about you know something happened to him at a press conference where he's like escorted out and Greg Norman said this is the first I've heard of it. And but there's a picture right where him. Greg Norman was standing right yep. behind him when it happened. Well, he tried to do this in the nineties. Where he tried to he tried to create his own tour in the '90s and it didn't work, and so now he has this this Saudi Arabia money behind it. So, you know, we'll see if it works. I I I, I don't want to watch guys play 54 holes. I don't want to watch a, a a shotgun start. I don't want to watch team golf other than the Ryder Cup. I don't want to watch that stuff. I do like the shotgun start. Do you? I do. Yeah. Because, it, because it's digestible in a three-hour window versus all well, day. Well, that's, that's for you. Like, I'm not right. going to sit there all day and watch a golf tournament. Right. You know, but if I can – but, it, like, if – like, you know, if, if I could if, – if, if the PGA Tour had that, I would probably watch more golf because it's like, oh, it's on from one to four. Okay, well, I'm going to watch that. As opposed to, oh, it's on from 11 to seven. Well, yeah. I like the last – the leader teeing off last. I like – that last group. I mean, there's there's something special about earning a spot in the last group on a sure, Sunday. Sure, sure. Well, that goes away if you have a if you have a shotgun start. Well, there is no last group if well, everybody's staying off. Well, at maybe the same you just time. do a last group on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> the whole the Masters doesn't start till the back nine on Sunday goes away if you have a shotgun start. <laughs> well, it, it it starts on the back nine, but not necessarily the back nine. Not you might you nine. not you might be on the fifth hole when it starts. Oh we don't know. God. We don't know. We'll have to pull names oh. out of a hat and see. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Oh my God. Jordan Bianchi of The Athletic joins us next. We'll talk about the Daytona 500 with him. That and more as we continue on the Midday Sports Zone right after this. Welcome back into the Midday Sports Zone. Russ Brown and Daniel Shirley with you live from a calls in Warner Robins today. Let's talk some NASCAR now as Jordan Bianchi with The Athletic joins us on the line. Good afternoon, Jordan. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, hey, so uh, the race on Sunday, Ricky Stenhouse gets the win in overtime, 230 miles. You know, we were kind of talking about this <laughs> in, the, in the last segment. Uh, NASCAR is something Daniel and I both pay attention to, but I would not consider us to be, like, hardcore fans. What did the hardcore fan think about the race on Sunday? Um, they were fine with it largely i mean it, it kind of played out like typical daytona 500 tab right which is you've got guys you've got crashes you've got guys kind of trying to make it to the end and then all heck breaks loose in the last five laps or so it probably goes to overtime a couple times which is what happened and so it just kind of they're kind of attuned to it and kind of used to it in some respects and you know as long as the racing is interesting and i think that race had that um, there's an acceptance that it was fine, and I'm not. This is by no means a an exact uh, barometer by any means. But if you look at my colleague Jeff Block, he does a poll on Twitter every Monday, and you know I think the number was 71 percent of the of the respondents approved of the race. Wow, that's really cool. Well, and the other question I want to ask you, you know, the race obviously it goes into the overtime stages, and and, and it kind of ended there, and you didn't get a checkered flag per se. Is it unrealistic to just keep having restarts until you do get a checkered flag? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and you're right. I mean, you would like to see a kind of a, a definitive conclusion, but you can only do it so many times. And to be honest with you, if you have it set up where you can have an infinite number of restarts in overtime, um, I, I, we may still be there, to be honest with you. <laughs> because that's these, these last two laps, just kind of anything goes. And at some point, you got to kind of say enough is enough. And I don't know if you're going to have enough cars and their safety concerns. And I, you know, I, I like that NASCAR has the rule in place where they, they will try to put the race, they will have the race go into overtime and try to finish it green if they can. But at some point, you kind of got to draw a line of chance. Because we tried it, like enough's enough. Jordan, what does this do for Stenhouse and his team to win that game, or to win that race on Sunday? Well, I mean, first and foremost, it probably puts them in the playoffs unless we just have an absolute crazy year and something even more crazier than last year, which is a huge deal for that team. And this is a team that is a small team, and they only got 45 employees. They don't have the, the budget and, and the scope that the Hendricks and the Penske's of the world do. And so for them to get this win, we're talking millions of dollars in their coffers of additional revenue. That's a huge thing. So that that first and foremost is a big thing. And, and for Ricky, it's a it's a defining moment. I mean, he's had a really, I think it's fair to say, underwhelming career. He's had a career where he came in with a lot of promise and potential, hasn't fulfilled that. I mean, a lot of circumstances involved in that. Some of it out of his control. Some of it in his control. And he hasn't had a great career. He's had two wins, but they were both in 2017. And really since then, it's just kind of been a shrug your shoulders type thing. But to win the Daytona 500 is special, despite the craziness and the unpredictability and how sometimes this race, race kind of feels fluky sometimes. Um, you're not going to take that away from you know, it's going to be the Daytona 500. Jordan Bianchi joining us here on the line. Uh, Jordan, uh, Travis Pastrana, he finished 11th in the race. I know this was just kind of a one-time deal for him, but what did you think about seeing him in the Daytona 500? I thought it was cool. I mean, he was hitting an energy and excitement level, which was infectious. Um, and he's a great quote, which is great from our perspective. Um, but he had an appreciation mm -hmm. for like, being there. He thought this was like the coolest thing. And to see somebody come in from a different discipline, somebody who's done all sorts of different things, you know, perishing out, or I shouldn't say perishing, jumping out of an airplane without a parachute and, and doing all these things and coming here and saying, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. This is awesome. That's cool to see. And it, it's good for NASCAR to have a driver like that who wants to come here and be part of it and it just kind of feels like elevates the Daytona 500 to a, even a little bit more of a higher level than it already is. So Jordan, where does the NASCAR go as far as there's a good start to the season? How do they continue this momentum, you know, as we go through maybe the first month of the year? You got to have good racing. I mean, first and foremost, you got to have good competitive racing. You got to have some compelling storylines. And we're going to Fontana, which is a really good racy track in Southern California. It's one of the drivers' favorite tracks across the board. The racing there last year was phenomenal. Um, if you can go there and have a race like you had last year, have a good finish, um, that that'll carry you through. And then you've got some tracks upcoming. Las Vegas has got a potential to be a good race. Phoenix, uh, we'll see. But you just need you need storylines. You need captivating things that get people who maybe aren't NASCAR fans kind of in tune. I think you kind of saw that with Daytona, whether it was Jimmy Johnson or Travis Pastrana or you know even Stenhouse and Clan. Um, that that's a good start to the year. Hopefully this carries through. And and Jordan Wright, they're going to reconfigure Fontana, and this is the last race with this configuration. Is that right? That is correct. You know, the story the athletic broke back in September 2020. They are going through with this plan now um, to, to convert it from a two mile high speed super speedway basically to a half mile high bank short track. It's quite the ambitious project. Um, there's been a lot of stops and starts with this, but they are committed to doing this. And the plan is, is that they're basically going to shut down the track for the next year, probably two years, to be honest with you, and reconfigure it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out and. 
I will be frank. There are some people that are skeptical that this is actually going to happen or not, but NASCAR is very adamant that they're going forward with this, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, what do the drivers think about that? Because you said, as, you know, that's one of their favorite tracks. I know Atlanta was the same way, and they reconfigured it. Are, are they as upset about uh, Fontana as they were Atlanta? Uh, yes, that would be a fair description. Uh, there's a lot of drivers that are saying, like, why are you doing this to this track? Of all of the tracks that you could reconfigure and redo, like, this is the one you shouldn't mess with, right? Um, they're not happy. There's, I would say all of them, but the, I've talked with quite a few of them, and I would say but two of them were were kind of like indifferent to it and like, eh, it is what it is. Uh, but they, they love this track. They love what it is. They love what it represents. But I will be truthful. Like, the racing there is good. But if you're a fan, it's not the most maybe always compelling because the field does get spread out a little bit. It's not as good as the short track. I mean, short track racing, you get beat and bang, the field is close, you got all this drama. Um, I, I get why NASCAR is doing this. It makes sense. And while the drivers may like this, what the drivers always like isn't what's best for NASCAR and fans. Jordan, was there anybody Sunday who just really had a bad day that you say, okay, they need to bounce back pretty quickly so their season doesn't kind of go off the rails here? Yeah, I mean, one name is Eric Jones. He had a really sweet Guns N' Roses paint scheme, which I thought was it was great. Ten-year-old me was very <laughs> excited by that. Uh, Eric's one of those guys I think he has the potential to have a really good year, but he's with a team that really can't afford to throw away points and have a setback like this. They torn the track where they need to capitalize and have a good run. They didn't do that, and they ended up finishing at least 40th, so they were last in the field. They're going to look back on this and go, okay, this is one that got away from us. That, that's not the start of the year that you want if you're that team. Good stuff. Jordan Bianchi of The Athletic has been our guest. Always appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the race on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next Tuesday. Appreciate it. Thanks, bud. There you go. It's uh off and running. The NASCAR season's off and running. You know, that, that conversation's one we had last year about Atlanta. There really is a fine balance between competitive racing, you know, from a from a like racing standpoint, like a competition standpoint, and the show part of it. Because right. it is a show. It is well it's entertainment, it's supposed to be, and I mean there can be the the greatest r- racing in the world and you guys are driving great. But there's not a lot of passing, and there's not a lot of, you know, bumping or, you know, I don't want guys to wreck, but there does need to be some entertainment to it, and that's a balance. And, you know, what works, what doesn't work, uh, you know, what works at each track is always interesting, too. Uh, you know, we we love the Atlanta race, the new configuration. The drivers don't like it so much. I think the fans loved it. So you got to balance that as well. So. That's that's tough, and it's what NASCAR has to try to figure out at each track. And and look, Russ, not every race can be the greatest race ever. Mm-hmm. I think we go into these big events, it's like, oh my God, that you know that was the greatest one ever. And if it's not, yeah, then we act like it was a bust, and that just can't that can't, yeah. you can't live up to that. Well, and it's just going to be hard in this day and age for a restrictor plate race, I think, to be the greatest race ever. Sure, because no I mean, you just can't. It's it's. You know, it is what it is. You just have to you have to live with it, and um, you know, and and like uh, he referenced the Jeff Gluck Twitter poll, which I try to participate in that if after I've watched the race, and it's the simplest thing. It's not the most scientific thing, but was the Daytona 500 a good race? That 71 percent of the people said yes. And, and look, I love the I love those cars on those on those tracks going that fast, but it doesn't kind of lend to a lot of passing and a lot of action and all that, but. But people love it. Yeah. And, and look, it's only, what, two times at Daytona? 
and two times at Talladega. And that's the only time they do yeah. this. Yeah. So that's okay. It's okay. It's, a, it's just, you know, we were talking about uh, last year with Atlanta. Like, that was a fun race. You don't want every track to reconfigure and be that. That's right. So hopefully Fontana, that's not what they have in mind. Boy, it's gonna, that Fontana is going to be interesting to see what it ends up looking like. A half-mile track? Yeah. Is that, I mean, is that like Bristol? Yeah. Wow. Short track, yeah. Wow. High yeah. banks? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, good stuff. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, the number 478-646-ESPN will open up here as we go to break. We'd love to hear from you. I just saw an interesting story on Jalen Carter we'll touch on. That and more as we continue right after this. Twelve forty-five. Russ Brown and Daniel Shirley wrapping it up here from McCall's on this Tuesday afternoon. Only 15 more minutes to go. Here we go. Time to eat. You know, it's not manual labor by any stretch of the imagination. It's not. But when you're hungry and you're doing a radio show in a restaurant and there's food that just keeps coming by you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm you work a, up a little bit of an appetite. I was about to tackle Ken's daughter and grab Don't one do of those that. sandwiches from her. So. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you could just politely ask I'm, for one. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> it, is, it is manual labor to have to make your sandwiches yourself. You made fun of me for that when I said that that time. Remember that? No, you said you didn't like grilling because of all the manual labor. It is labor. manual labor. It, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so Ken's staff are doing the manual labor for me. If you're currently swinging a hammer for a living, I apologize on behalf of him. <laughs> yeah, if you're on top of a roof doing work. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. I, I apologize uh, for myself. I promise. <laughs> I'm well aware of my shortcomings. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I just saw this uh, tweet from uh, NFL rookie, rookie Watch. Easy for me to say. Our buddy PJ Zucker retweeted it. Um, you know, Todd McShay had said Jalen Carter had character issues that could affect his draft stock some time ago. This is before the championship game even. And there was never any real clarification. Now, just to kind of quickly uh, Cliff Notes version, Todd McShay heard something from somebody. That's what reporters do. I know people got mad at Todd. That's He's doing his job. Um, you know, Somebody told him that. He's, he's heard something somewhere. I don't think he would just make that up. But yesterday uh, it was discovered that um, Jalen Carter has been um, paying for his teammate Weston Wallace's meals with his own scholarship money. Uh, Wallace is a walk-on, and so obviously he has to. Eat, he doesn't get to eat for free like the guys on scholarship. So, um, so when he heard about it, he decided to contribute his own funds to help feed his teammate. Um, doesn't sound like somebody with character issues to me. Now, somebody did ask the first question: Was well, why doesn't the university cover this anyway? You know, um, could you get like an NIL fund for the walk-ons meals or something? I don't. I don't know how all that works, but the point is. You know, and, and we had this story last August about him doing the, the backpack drive with all the school supplies in it for the kids in his hometown. Like, if if this guy has character issues, where? where? The only character I'm seeing is outstanding I, character. I haven't seen anything other than the Todd McShay report that would make you believe that he has character issues. Yeah. And so, so you know, look, we all have people we – come across in our lives that we don't like or they don't like us or something happens and you know maybe he was short with somebody at one point and the, that person didn't take it well and that's the person that that Todd McShay got the report from we don't know yeah. but it's pretty clear that you know if 99 things happen 
good mm-hmm. and one thing bad happens. I'm going to trust the 99 things. Well, and, and it, you know, maybe somebody that's picking a little bit later in the draft, not, you know, beyond 10, but somewhere between, I don't know, five to nine. You know, maybe they're trying to get him to drop. That's true too. I mean, it could be That's it could true. be anything when you get into uh, draft season. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Let's get in a phone call. Keith is in gray. Hey, Keith, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm going to throw an idea at you that I've been thinking that I've been pondering and thinking about. Um, hey, you're going to love this one. All right. So, like in other words, Tesla car racing is my my idea, and try to get. Elon Musk and Toyota to pitch in their finances to get sponsorship and reopen Byron Raceway, and there won't be as much noise from the engines because they're hardly making any noise at all. And I just wanted to see if y'all thought that was a good idea. I'm going to hang up now. (laughs) All right, Keith. Um, Thanks, Keith. I, 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 I. I don't know. No, I'm I'm saying no. And you know why? I'm going to give you the most Neanderthal reason why. Because when they say, gentlemen, start your engines and those engines fire up, that's just too cool. Yeah. It's not a race without that. No doubt. you got to have the thunder. Who was the, who was the Grand Marshal Sunday? Uh, who said start your engines? I don't remember. Okay. I don't. They had, they had so many different people there. They had... Uh, Tiffany Haddish was there. Charlotte Flair Charlotte was there. Charlotte Flair was there, right? Yeah. Um, so they have so many different officials. It's hard to keep up with who's doing what. Yeah. Um, I want to say it might have been one of the corporate sponsors that said it. I'm, I'm oh, not sure. Come on. I'm not sure. Boo. I'm not. Well, don't hold me to that. Boo. I just. I, I, that's not something that really stuck out from the race. You, on you Sunday. know how much I love watching golf. Yes. We've made that clear. There's only one part of golf that I hate, and it's when they bring the CEO from. Toyota on, and then they talk for ten minutes. I might get back to showing shots. Well, you've I, got you got eight hours to fill. I, I don't care. I want to watch eight hours. If you had a shotgun start and there was three hours of golf, you wouldn't have time for that guy. I don't want seven hours and fifty minutes of golf, and then ten minutes of that guy talking. <laughs> <laughs> I turn the channel every time, or I mute it, or something. I don't watch that part. It bugs me. Yeah. I don't. You know, rich guys playing golf. I'm okay with. Yeah. Rich guy talking about rich guys playing golf. I don't want to hear. Yeah, they don't do that on the live tour. You know why? You know why? They don't have any sponsors because everybody's scared to work with them. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. That, they, don't, they don't need sponsors. So, so was the engine noise? Was that a problem in Byron at the speedway? Down I've there? never uh, been to the I've, Byron I've speedway. Not, so that not would sure. be cool to see. I know that um, a few weeks back. And Cordell, uh, Chase Elliott, and some of the guys. David Reagan, I think, was in town for the some races down there. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, there's not the, – the racing, especially from a historical standpoint in Georgia, is so much different than North Carolina. Yeah. it Because NASCAR is not anything I really ever got into until I was, like, in my late teens, early 20s. And, and just as I was kind of getting into it, is at the same time I moved to North Carolina. And then the next thing I know, I'm going to, like, six or seven different races a year. And it's just a whole different animal up there. I don't know if it's still like that. It's been a while since I lived there, but um, it's it's a shame here in the state that a lot of these smaller tracks have kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, see, and I think you still get a, a, some uh, some races at the smaller tracks in, in the Carolinas, and that's you know it's that's kind of that grassroots thing. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I you know I, I don't want to get too far off topic, but you know that that's kind of what's helped wrestling kind of come back a little bit. You know the the pay-per-view on saturday was 
the ratings were up 56 percent is that right yeah the uh, ticket sales and, and the merchandise where was it it was in uh calgary oh that's right because uh, no i'm sorry it was in montreal is it Sammy Zane is from Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah, it was in Montreal. But, I mean, the revenue was up like 300%. But, you know, about probably six or seven years ago, Cody Rhodes left the WWE and started wrestling on the independent circuits to get that grassroots going again. Right, and kind of built his own company, right, or had a big part yeah, of it. Yeah, well, and then, and then you know, the AEW launched and the rest is history. But, you know, and now you, there, there are, I mean, if you're really into it, there's a lot of little different uh, – companies or, or entities around the state of Georgia that you can go see, and there's going to be a wrestler in that ring that you've seen on television before. And it's That's and it's kind of helped bring the popularity back. And, you know, NASCAR uh, racing doesn't really – I guess it, it, it kind of does, but not here. So that's why it was cool to see Chase Elliott come back and, and, and be a part of that deal down there in Cordell. I hope he's able to do it um, a, a lot more in the future to just, you know – you can go see Chase Elliott race in Cordell. How cool is that? That's crazy. I mean, yeah. I, that was – I know it was a fun afternoon for the, the people that were able to go for sure. All right, it's time to eat. Yeah, it is. I don't know. See, Finish now, up. I'm now, going to get in line. I'm wavering now because that Cali Wild Turkey might be calling my name too. Should I just get one of each? How do you spell that? Cali? Like Cali, like California? It just – that just – so he sells a sandwich that's called – it's called the Wild Turkey, Right. Right. And one day he told me, he asked me if I liked avocado, and I said, no, I don't like avocado. He said, yeah, but that sandwich with avocado on it goes to a whole other level. So you should try it with avocado, and that's where the Cali that's part comes in. That's what the Cali in. part is. Okay. So I did. I tried it, unlike some people we know, and it was really good. Yeah, I don't know who that. I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> so anyway, it's time for us to go eat. Hey, we appreciate you listening as always. Uh, thanks for Jordan Beyond for jumping in here with us. Always appreciate Ken and his staff for having us out. Uh, one of our favorite places to do the midday show from, no doubt about it. But that's going to do it for today. Uh, for Daniel, I'm Russ. We'll do it again tomorrow. Y'all have a good one.